All right, we're well into the summer, and, and I could tell a lot of, a lot of folks are uh, uh, vacationing and things like that, but we're so glad you're here. Next Sunday, and Eric is probably going to emphasize this again later, to remind you, there's one place, get your phone out right now, say next Sunday in Heritage Park, all right? Next Sunday, we're not going to be here. This is really important. We're not going to be here. We, are, we have this opportunity, which is really unique, is to be able to celebrate with some other churches on a Sunday morning, and, and we're going to worship together. Uh, Ty Zimmerman is going to have the opportunity to preach uh, this, uh, that morning. We're, there's going to be some testimonies, and, and we're going to sing and worship with people out of our community. I'm looking forward to that. Love, love these other congregations within Junction City, some great ministers, some great churches, and we get to do it together. And, and, and we ought to value that. Can I tell you? We ought to value that. That, that, that there's so many in, within our community who love Jesus. And we don't do that just any Sunday. We have the opportunity Sunday to gather together. So here's what you need to do. Bring, uh, bring your, your, your lawn chair and, and bring some water. Dress cool. I, I just looked. It, it's not like it was a couple weeks ago. This morning it's going to be great. Uh, you know, it's probably probably between 70 and 80 degrees, which in the sun, you know, get there early enough. Some of you have been there so many times, you know to get the shade, okay? But, and so if you can find a place where there's shade, it is a wonderful opportunity. So I'm going to encourage you, you know, put that in your phone so that when you wake up and you say, oh, I'm going to go to church. Oh, it's reminding me, head to Heritage Park for church. We get to worship together. That time is 1015 is the beginning. There's actually a pancake feed, I think sponsored by United Way. If you want to get there early and eat pancakes, you could do that. 1015, they're going to start worship there in the park. So keep that in mind. Now, we're, we're getting back into what's love got to do with it. If you haven't been with us, the whole theme is this, that, that we're looking at a love, actually an incredible love that we as believers are called to. As a matter of fact, even the word that I put down as a title this morning, impossible. Because I believe that some of the things that Jesus says about the way we're supposed to love or who we're supposed to love, we walk away saying that's impossible when we, when we think about what Jesus said. Uh, I want to review just a little bit some of the folks that we looked at, some of the, uh, the, the, the people that, that we already have reviewed in their attitudes. There was James and John in Luke chapter nine, uh, 19, Luke chapter 19, where James and John uh, were traveling with Jesus and the other disciples, and they were passing through Samaria, and, and they talked about, well, we'll stay in this uh, town in the territory of Samaria, one of the Samaritan villages, and, and they turned Jesus away, Jesus and his disciples away. James and John said, hey, Jesus, should we call down fire? Should we just call them? Should we just destroy these people and bring judgment and condemnation out, down upon them? You know what I'm talking about? He goes, let's, just, let's just fry them. Right? And that was their attitude. Jonah, we looked at Jonah and his attitude, that book of Jonah, where Jonah was called as that prophet of God to go and take a message. Hey, you're going to be destroyed, Nineveh. And, and Jonah went the other direction. His attitude was in the other direction. Finally, God got him to go into Nineveh. He preached, and then he went up on the hill to soak just to see what God was going to do. And then, and then his very words was, I just knew it. I just knew you were a God of mercy. 
I knew you were a God of mercy. And when, when the Ninevites, these Assyrians, when these Assyrians repented of their sins, that oh, I, knew, I knew God was going to be merciful. Could you imagine just being cross about God's mercy? I, ugh, doggone it, God's merciful. It just sounds strange. That was Jonah. And then the, the, the sermon after that, we looked at, at the religious leaders, right? The Pharisees and the teachers of the law who brought this, this woman who was caught in idolatry. Caught means there was eyewitnesses to the fact that she was committing adultery. So they bring this woman alone and said, hey, you know, and, and challenge Jesus with this. They pick up stones and say, hey, you know, this is what Moses' law calls us to do. What do you think, Jesus? And he responded by, hey, the one who's without sin, you cast the first stone. So those who were so righteous, man, they were ready to throw stones at the, uh, the unrighteous woman. So listen to the attitudes we see so far in Scripture when it comes to Jesus. Man, let's, let's just toast the Samaritans. Let, let's just destroy them. Uh, the, Nineveh, the people of Nineveh, let's take them out. It, enemy of Israel. Let's just take these people out. I don't want God's mercy. They just need to be destroyed. And then those who are righteous, let's, let's just stone the, the people who are unrighteous. The one who's caught in adultery, especially those with such obvious sins. Let's take them out. Uh, today, instead of looking at some, some people, we're actually looking at the words of Jesus. It, it's in Matthew chapter 5. And I'm going to read verses 43 through 48. 43 through 48. But let's, let's consider their attitudes that Jesus and God had to deal with. A people that, that he was using, that he even called. In this passage, Jesus lays out, I, I believe, one of the most difficult uh, words or statements that he ever made for us to follow after. Are you ready to hear it? Matthew chapter 5, 43 through 48. Here's what he says. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And, and if you greet your, uh, only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. I'll give you a moment to wipe the sweat from your foreheads. <laughs> Isn't that hard? Isn't that hard? Listen. Here's, here's the statement. Disciples, people following after me, Jesus would say, love your enemy. Love your enemy. I want to begin here. Let's start by admitting this. The first point. Jesus calls us to an impossible love. He calls us to an impossible love. Let's just think for a moment. Who are the enemy? Enemy, we would consider enemy are those people who have, who have caused us harm or have, have injured ourselves or our family or are a threat to ourselves or our family or even our nation. We would call them enemy. 
all right? And, and this call from God or this, this statement from Jesus causes us a lot of tension. It's difficult. I mean, here's the question. How do we do that? How, how is it possible for us to love our enemy? I, I mean, let's, let's put it more into some, some illustrative terms, you know. He, he says at the beginning, you have heard it said to love your neighbor. And, and boy, we've called that. We've talked about that. We have to love our neighbor. And let's be honest, some of us have difficulty doing that. I, and you don't have to raise your hands. I'm going to just make sure you don't embarrass yourselves because I'd be, probably be one. Have you ever thought in your neighborhood, it would be good for our neighborhood if, if that family wasn't here? If they would just move away, things would be better in our neighborhood or individual? Or maybe we even think that, man, if I just get out of this neighborhood, I need to move somewhere else because they're all trouble. So it's difficult alone just saying love your neighbor but then Jesus says it's not that just love your neighbor but now it's love your enemy as well terrorist terrorist uh, domestic terrorist as well as overseas uh, isn't there like a clause somewhere where oh except for these people you you don't have to love these enemy but you, yeah but love these enemy you know the the neighbor enemy. Maybe, maybe just let's be selective. Surely there's some kind of conditions here, but there's not. An attitude of loving people who would cause us harm or our family harm. And I'll say it again, that just seems so impossible. So impossible to do. Matter of fact, I, I don't think it's just the tension being called to love. Within the context, I, I want to show you a little bit of the context of where this is being stated. First of all, this is out of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is laying out instruction uh, for people. And it, it's radical. It's different from what they've known, from the law that they followed, okay? So Jesus, man, this is fresh and new teaching. They're excited about it. Back in verse 20, I think this is key. Matter of fact, there's a bookend of, of two verses where this lies in between. And back in verse 20, here's what Jesus says. He says, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter into the kingdom of heaven. I, I, now that would make a lot of Jews sweat at that time who were hearing that. Uh, your righteousness is surpass the most righteous people that we know. Those Pharisees, teachers of the law, those guys who, who, who know this front and back and they're following. Not only they're following, they're watching that everybody else is doing it. They're the ones who are righteous. And, and then you're telling us that our righteousness has to uh, surpass their righteousness or we don't belong in heaven. Now, it's very key that you see that because the following verses, he gives examples of what that righteousness looks like. As a matter of fact, he, each one, even in our, our statement here, uh, the, the last example he gives in verse 43, but he actually begins early. He says, you have heard that it was said to people long ago, you must not murder. Okay, that was along the list. But he said, but on the other hand, I tell you this, that, that you, if you're angry with your brother, you're, you're in danger of judgment. Or if you call your brother a fool, you're in danger of hellfire. What's he saying? What about adultery? Okay, well, you've heard it said in the scriptures that, that you're not to commit adultery. 
But, but I tell you, Jesus says, but I tell you, you shouldn't even look at a woman lustfully. Or you've committed adultery already. Just, are you serious? So what is Jesus doing in all those examples from verse 20 all the way through the passage we're saying? He's internalizing everything. He's internalizing everything. I mean, for, for the Pharisees, they knew the laws. I mean, they were written out. and Okay, we're going to follow this line, this line, this line, this line. But now he's saying, hey, I want you to take it home. It's got to be within that, that, that idea of hating your brother, it can't if you are, if that hatred's not in your heart. Matter of fact, in that, that part of the passage, it says, if there is trouble, if there is an anger that's being, then you need to deal with it. You need to face it. You need to go make things right. See, it's, it's a whole new perspective because we're getting rid of the law, or actually not getting rid of, we're fulfilling the law. Therefore, hey, the best law of all? It's to live like Jesus. <laughs> Internalize it. Internal, and that's what this part of this passage is as well. Internalize it. Hey, bring it home. Bring it inside. Love, love your neighbor. Love your enemy. Okay, let me, let me say it again. What he's describing is this. It is a righteous love. This whole, this whole thing concludes, you know, that's the front of it. Hey, be, be righteous, or may your righteousness be surpassed that of the religious leaders. And at the very end, it's verse 48, which we read. Hey, listen, this is all you have to do. Be perfect like your Father in heaven is perfect. Got that? You feel pretty good about that? How many of you are doing really well with that? Just raise your hand. Oh, <laughs> oh man, Dory had to look around. <laughs> Be perfect like, like our Father in heaven is perfect. Oh, man, let's sweat the, wipe the sweat. I, can I just say impossible? Would you be with me on that? Because oh, God is perfect. My righteousness has to uh, surpass that of the religious leaders. My, my holiness, you know, I have to be perfect like, like God is perfect. How? How? Again, it has to be internalized. But listen, that takes us to the second point. Let's start by admitting that, uh, no, excuse me, that was the first point. Uh, we, we need to come to the place where, where we have to know God. We have to understand God. God rules over the impossible. That, come on, that's our God. He rules over the impossible. What limitations can we put on God? None. I, he created everything. Through his words he spoke and, and things came into existence. Uh, he's the God over that exodus and, and rescuing his people out of Egypt. You know, he, he used a man who, who just tried to convince God, I can't speak, I can't speak. And he still used him. And he brought on ten plagues to get his people out of Egypt. Parted the waters where they walked across dry land uh, to rescue them. And then, then led them through the desert. desert. Hundreds of thousands of people surviving through the desert. And that's our God. Impossible circumstances, God brought them through. And for us today, what we rejoice, what we think about so often is that Jesus lives. That he rose from the dead. Our, our God is a God of the impossible. It, it's not possible for us, but it, it's definitely not impossible for God. God, God is able to do whatever. And, and we go into the, the New Testament, we see what God has done through Christ. I, I thought about that Ephesians 2.10 where it says, we are God's workmanship. 
We are, God, we are, we are created by God. Let's, let's face it. First of all, let's admit this. We are the enemy of God. Bottom, bottom line, we are, we have been the enemy of God. I mean, in our sinfulness, and there's that rebellion, that rejection, all humanity, we have to, we have to identify enemy of God. And, and, and I'm there. I can't say I'm separated. Oh, I've always loved God. And always, I can't say that in my sinfulness. And, and God had every right to wipe us out. Let's do the flood all over again. Aren't you glad he didn't? He, he had every right to do that. As a holy God and a defiant and sinful people, we, we sure could have. Des- but instead, God chose his mercy. He chose to be merciful. He chose to be patient. Why? Because he loves his creation. And, and, and through that mercy, he gave us his amazing love. Or through that amazing love, he gave us his mercy. He sent Jesus to redeem us. Did we deserve it? Absolutely not. Again, we're his enemy. We're separated from him. A holy God does not deserve to be in any way or cannot be with unholy people. And he redeemed us. He remade us. God then, through I mean today, instead of saying, hey, I'm the enemy of God, he is, he's brought us to the place where we could say that we are the children of God. If we, if we understand that at one time separated and, and, and in no way able to have a relationship, then we appreciate the fact what Jesus did for us has brought us into a relationship with God. And so he's remade us, his children. Along with that verse in Ephesians 2.10, it says, uh, We are his workmanship created through Christ for good works. For good works. It's not just that God has saved us, redeemed us, oh, made us his children, but now he wants to use his family. He wants, us to, 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 he wants to use his family within this world. Remember this, that God is the God of the impossible, and he wants to work through you to do some amazing things. And it would be great to, to fantasize about what that would be, but one of the great things he wants us to do is to love our enemy. He wants us to be very contrary to this world. We know, I mean, the world knows what an enemy is, and you know what to do with an enemy. You hate them, you despise them, you separate yourself from them. But that's not what God has done with us. Instead, God pursued us. Matter of fact, if we, if we look back in chapter 5, what Jesus even started before, what did he call you know, what did, what did he identify his people as? Hey, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. That salt of the earth, you know, that preservative, you're something that changes the very taste, not just the taste, but preservative over this world. He, he wants to use you for that, that cause. Listen, even, even you are the light of the world. That's, that's a little easier to understand and grasp that this world full of darkness, you know, enemy of God, despising, rejecting him. We're, we're a light that shines on his behalf. Why? Why? So we could draw all the other light to us and disregard all the darkness? No. It's so that the world around will be able to know who God is. 
I, I will tell you that absolutely that love that we're called to is a huge part of the salt and light that we are called to become in Christ. God rules over the impossible. And that leads us to this, this impossible. It, the impossible becomes possible because God is our Father. We, we, we look at loving our neighbor or we look at, look at loving the enemy, whether they're in our neighborhood or, or in the nation, you know, as terrorists or overseas terrorists. And, and we're called to something impossible to love those people. But I believe through God, our dependence upon God, we are able. I believe it's possible. It comes through, first of all, our transformation through Jesus. And we receive that forgiveness. And then also we're promised the Holy Spirit, Correct. Where, where through the Holy Spirit, we receive a giftedness. They said, man, that fruit of the gift, the, the fruit of the Spirit is what? It begins with love. The first word is it begins with love. Love, uh, he begins to love through us. I don't, I, honestly, I will tell you, I am incapable of loving the kind of love that Jesus calls us to here. And if it weren't for Jesus, I would, I would still be there. If it weren't for Jesus, I wouldn't be able to love those who, who would seek to harm me or who hate me, despise me. Instead, through Christ, you and I would have the opportunity, the ability to love those who would, who would uh, wish bad upon us. I, I believe it is a, the, the love we're called to is, is not just love and keep safe within your home. Here's the difficult part. I believe it's a proactive love. Oh, man, I think about that. It, it is a proactive love. The love of God, God didn't sit back and, and do nothing to get us back. God was proactive. Aren't you glad? Sending his son into this world. Man, and, and those who are, are, are man, determined to continue to spread the gospel throughout history, how important are they? And God leading, and, and God continuing to lead us to take this wor word out to those who, who yeah, would despise us, reject us, and yet we're still called to love those people. The, in, the, in the passage, looking closer at that, it, 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 it says that you may be, uh, well, let me read back. Uh, verse 44, it says, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. How do we do this? Well, we're to be like our Father in heaven. We're, we're to be like God. Again, perfect like God, righteousness, that's the call. We're to be like Him. And I, you know, in part, I thought, how do we deal with people who are in such conflict, hateful, despise, despising? I mean, Let's just say, in, in our worldliness, we understand that. We know what it is to hate, all of us. We know it is hate or, or wish something evil upon maybe another nation that, that's against us or, or something else. We know what that is. But, but I, I thought about two, two young boys who were in our family when we were at the youth home. It was Casey and Charlie. And Casey and Charlie, in element, they were elementary age, uh, same age. And, and these two guys, they would get along really well at times, but man, when they, got, when they came in conflict, it was ugly. It, it, it was just ugly, and it disrupted the whole house. 
So, so we tried to deal with it, you know, talking to them didn't work or anything like that. So what we started doing was when they, they couldn't, couldn't make things okay or, or, or forgive each other, what they, were, they needed to do, and they were pounding heads, uh, we made them go out in our front yard. There was a, a track about the size of an athletic field, uh, and, and it was just a track, uh, 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 a circle drive, as you will. And, and they had to go out holding hands and run around that, be able to complete one full run uh, around that without letting go, and then that punishment was done. That was absolutely hard for them. That was so difficult. Let me tell you why. Casey was a stringy, uh, just high-energy kid, when, and he was, he was a hothead. Casey was a hothead, and he would tear out running. But he had to hold on to Charlie. Charlie was bigger than him. And Charlie had uh, juvenile arthritis on top of it. So Charlie's pace was about like this. And, he, and, and Casey, would, you could just get this picture of Casey who's just this ball of energy and just mad. and just makes him want to run real hard. And, and he's bouncing off and they're breaking their, their grip each time. There's no way that they were able to make one full lap unless Casey would just, okay, got to calm down. Got to keep the same pace. And pretty soon, they're just kind of doing this together around the track. Then they made it. Now, I, I never thought about the significance until I came to this passage. And I know what you're thinking. You're saying, oh, yeah, take the hand of my enemy and just run around the track. You know, keep the same pace. And that's not what I'm thinking. You know who we need to, to come alongside and keep pace with is God. I, you're, you're not going to be able to hold your hands. I, man, that's who I, 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 that's difficult. But we're called to align ourselves with God. We're called to, uh, look what God has done for us again. How, and man, we're, we're ready to split. We're ready in anger to deal with the enemy and everything else. But we have to keep pace with God. Overall, why are we still here? <laughs> have you ever thought about that? The wickedness in this world. Why has is, why is God not pulled the plug yet? In this world of ugliness. Because in scripture it says God is patient. Not wanting anyone. Not wanting anyone to, to face his judgment. He, he, he's wanting everyone to have that opportunity to come to repentance. Oh man. Can we keep in pace with that God? With our God? Can we love the way he loves? We can't do it by ourselves. We absolutely have to be with God. Now listen to the passage. It, it said, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. That's a great beginning. That's a great beginning. Begin to pray for those who would seek to harm you or, or pray for your enemy. Pray for your enemy. Get on your knees. And, and I, th I think it even starts with this. God, you know who I am. You know how angry. You know even the hatred I've had for maybe name that person or name that group of people or, or whatever it is. Name it. And say, God, I, I need you to direct me in this love. I also suggest that if you begin to name and, and identify whether it's a people group or, or individuals that, that you're harboring some hatred for, it might be someone who has absolutely hurt you in the past. They say, God, I'm having difficulty loving this person. 
I, I suggest you just begin praying and anything you know about them, lay it out. And if, whatever you find, just bring it before the Lord. And, and, and Lord, change my heart. Help me, Father, to, to, to develop a love for, again, my enemy. Because we don't do this alone. We don't do this alone. Understand what Jesus has done for us. Understand what he's given us in the Spirit and what he gives us here in the church is encouragement and strength to overcome the most difficult thing that he's called us to do. And that's loving our enemy. It's loving our enemy. Oh, well, I, I shouldn't say that's the most difficult thing he's called us to do. He has called us to bear his cross, right? <laughs> Maybe that's part of bearing our cross is doing things that don't come natural and, and being just around the people we love. I can love, the, I can love this group. I can love you. You're good people. But we're going to end this service and we're going to go out into the community. And we're going to be people at work that might be, oh man, if they weren't here, things would be a lot better. Or someone who's just out to get you. Or, or maybe it says you watch the news. There's people who just, oh man. How do I love those people? You see, what he says in that next verse, he says, if you love those people, what reward will you get? Are, they not, are not even the tax collectors doing that? Man, we'll get in our groups and we'll love our groups, people, people that, that were like-minded, but when we get outside the walls, we're just doing like everybody else. We're just doing like the rest of the world is. Instead, it tells us to love, love the unlovable, love the enemy that we have around us. And, and if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. What does it mean, greet? Uh, it's receive. It's acceptance. It, it, it is a, a respect that you give to someone else. You know, it, it says that God, our Father, man, it, He doesn't treat anybody different. To the righteous, unrighteous, you know, uh, the rain will come. Uh, and he caused the sun to rise on, on the evil and the good. He doesn't treat anybody any different. He doesn't separate himself from anyone, anyone else. We need to keep that in mind. We definitely are called to do something so contrary to the rest of the world. I do believe that has everything to do with the salt and light that we are to be on his behalf. Hey, we are his children. We are his children. And Jesus has called us to an impossible love. He's called us to an impossible love. But understand, just to remind you, God rules over the impossible. He is able. Uh, he began a good work in you. He wants to continue a good work in you. The impossible becomes possible because God is our God. Man, if you're just trying to follow some words that Jesus spoke that day, Love your enemy. Yeah, I, I don't think it's possible. But in what God has done for us and what he wants to work in you, I believe it's possible. Don't you? Don't you? He's called us to an impossible love. Seemingly impossible, but it makes it possible because of what he's done through Jesus Christ. We're going to pray. We're going to pray this morning. We're going to pray for enemies we're going to pray for our enemies. I don't know who's in your mind, but, but have those people in your mind as we pray. Father in heaven, we praise you. 
we praise you at the beginning of every prayer because that's naturally the place it goes. What you've done for us, Lord, what, and, and what we truly deserve is two different things. Lord, we deserve your condemnation. We deserve your judgment. Instead, Lord, we've received your son. And it's revealed to us a, a, an amazing love, one that you've called us to. To look into this world, Lord, to love the brothers and sisters in Christ, we're definitely called to do that, but even to go beyond that and love our, our neighbor and even love those who we would consider to be our enemy. Oh, Lord, that is a, that's a stretch and that's a difficulty. So, Father, we pray today that in light of what you've done through Jesus, in light of the fact that you've given to us your Holy Spirit, we pray, Lord, that we're being attentive and, and, Lord, that it is our pursuit to, to love those that we might harbor some hate in our heart today. We ask, Lord, for forgiveness and, and, and the mercy we need in the beginning to, to, to continue to be recreated by you. And then, Father, we pray that we come alongside of you at the same pace to look at this world as you see it, knowing that Jesus came for every soul. Even those who hate us or uh, those that, that Lord, we're, we might have fear of. We pray, Lord, that they will come to know Jesus, repent of their sinfulness, and come to be also identified as your children. Lord, change us as a people. Lord, this idea of loving in this magnificent way is going to really bring us out as the salt and light of this world. We want our community around us to know that love. So strengthen us as a body to love those uh, who wouldn't be caught dead in this congregation or in this church. Father, send us out to love and, and to, to invite and, and to bring them into relationship with you. Use us, Father, for that purpose. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.